Tom, how are you doing today? I, I'm good, Brandon. I'm good. I'm glad that uh, this finally came together. Yeah. You were you were one of my first follows. I think we were. I was under 500 followers on Twitter, and there was not a hashtag to to promote me that I could just spam whenever I wanted to. So it was a big it was a big deal. I was like, hey, there's a little hope for me after all. Four superpowers. There's four superpowers, and you got to pick one. One, you can fly. Two, you can read minds. Three, your dog never dies or gets sick. Number four, infinite garlic bread. You, uh, we, we argued this earlier, and it's a little garlic bread purse. And whenever you are hungry, you can pull it out. There will be a little lint on the garlic bread, but like it's it's delicious bread. You got to like brush it off a little bit, but otherwise yeah. it's fine. It's not a lot of lint, just a little. Yeah, it's just like enough to be a little annoying. An acceptable right. amount of lint. Right. Yeah. Am I able to give this to other people when I am not hungry, but they are? Yes. Yeah, it's yeah. infinite. It's unlimited. You can do literally whatever with it afterwards. You just have to pick the. Yeah, if you want to cure world hunger with with garlic bread. I don't know if you want that kind of profile. Like you want to be the because I feel like somebody would just knock you upside the head. And remember, this is delicious garlic bread. So you, good. You want to be the guy in the bar, basically walking around finding people that are too drunk and handing them garlic bread to help sober them up. God, right, exactly, exactly. That. If that's the power that you choose. So, that's, Tom. That's Christ-like. As compelling as the infinite garlic bread is, I think I'd probably just go with the mind reading thing. Yeah, see, I remember Rachel was, like, suspicious of mind reading because she's okay, like, well, I'm already like, smart. I already read minds. I No, I... First of all, I'm not that much of a psychopath. No, what I said was between just generally very high emotional intelligence and having a psych degree, I accurately predict people's behavior very frequently and I'm powerless to stop any of it. So it's like this curse, actually, instead of meaningfully like empowering me, it's just cursed me with sight. And I just know that people are going to do things that are bad instead of like being surprised by it. Being able to know what motivates somebody it's like being Cassandra. Like yeah. I already know what motivates people most of the time. People tend to tell you what motivates them pretty directly. And sneaky people aren't usually that good at being sneaky. So, like... I might walk this back. Based <laughs> partly on your 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 arguments. But also, I was thinking about this. For, for, like, every situation where, like, you can figure out if somebody's, like, checking you out, which would be cool. Right. You also, yeah. like, know things that would hurt your feelings really badly, too. You know what I mean? So right. it would just be, it, would, it wouldn't all be gravy, you know? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, it just depends on whether the, the power is completely turned on. Obviously, you can fly, doesn't lift off the earth and you just like go in space and suffocate immediately. So yeah. I assume that you can turn it on and off because it wouldn't be fair otherwise. If you can't turn it off, there's no way. I mean, no, like, no you want to hear everybody's noise all the time? No. You only want to hear the noise of people like us, podcasters. You want right. our, all of our thoughts. Joyful noise. <laughs> what you're describing is quite literally Twitter. You're, you are reading people's <laughs> thoughts <laughs> at all times. Oh, no. That's, oh, right. so imagine Twitter, but inside your head. I, I would like to dispute you, but given how horny Twitter is, I can't. Exactly. Just so like Twitter. Mo most of people's yeah. thoughts are going to be either it's 90% of them are going to be horny and then 5% of them are going to be very mundane. And then maybe the, re the remaining 5% is good, useful gossip. And so for that reason, it might be worth it. I don't know. Just like Twitter, though, I've wanted to I've wanted to be rid of Twitter for so long, but I have not been able to. And I think even if I'm able to turn it off, I will still keep toggling the mind reading just because I'm curious as to what people right. are thinking. And it, it will torment me. You can't right. like uninstall mind Twitter. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. What, what power would you pick? I, I was gonna go with flying. I, I've got to. I've got to go with Good flying. Choice. Only downside to that is maybe somebody like tries to abduct you and figure out how your powers work or something. But otherwise, I mean, that seems like pretty cheap way to get around. It's better than Uber. Convenient. Yeah, exactly. you don't fly across the world. Just like go go to your job and back, and you no traffic. And if you fly, you're already going to know what everybody's thinking about you anyway. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's a pretty good I, point. I I love a good aerial view. I love a good overview of every of the lay of the land. I like to get a good lay of the land. So that's why I'm going with flying. 
Leia, what are you what are you into? I think an important question is how strenuous a physical activity is flying. <laughs> I feel like you can fly, but you have to flap your arms to do it. You have to work like, really be, hard. You have to be buff. If you can't like bench press 150 pounds, like you really like, is can't it the equivalent of like it. sprinting or like walking? Like how, no, how hard is it to fly? It's like Ah, I think, it's, I think if you really want to, if you really want to go fast, and I'm improvising these science fiction rules with, if you really right. want to like zoom really fast, then you've gotta, you've gotta use your arms. You're like, you've gotta use that energy. But you can, you can just go, and you can go maybe as as fast as a medium sized car, like a medium, like thirty miles an hour. And that's, that's not a medium-sized car. Yeah, let's <laughs> <laughs> medium-sized engine, or however you want to put it. Um, mm. But yeah, you can go maybe like thirty to forty-five miles an hour, and it being that's like walking. fast though. Yeah. Like when that's, you're just literally flying good. in a meat sack at forty miles an hour, like you could hit a bird. Yeah, just break your nose. Yeah, you may want. You may wish to be careful. I don't know. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe. And well, maybe you get some kind of. I mean, because when you talk about flying, we're talking about comic book shit anyway. Yeah. So I think you'd get whatever the other powers of like not ramming your face into a bird and dying and uh, i see survival. so you don't have to worry about any of that i don't think i think it's understated you know i i think it's it's nothing that will affect me too bad you know i'm just going to be power walking through the skies to wherever i'm going <laughs> um kennedy just a brisk jog throughout the country <laughs> kennedy pick one uh, you know, I, I have to go with the infinite garlic bread for sure. That's just too good, especially because I could summon it anywhere. Yeah, that, that's a that's a wonderful power. I will say flight. That's like my close second. And I, I, the justification I, I will make for that that's relatively sincere is that, you know, we do live in this increasingly kind of like world where we have friends, but where we we're stratified from them. They're they're over the Internet. And we don't see them in person a lot. And if you could just fly around the country like unlimited, you know, that that could be have benefits. Um, obviously, right now, though, during coronavirus, you just be like, well, my power sucks. Right. Um, yeah, true. I, I think I take read minds and I go to Vegas and I become like a not not the number one world champion or anything. I don't want that much suspicion, but I'll be like a top 15 poker player. Mm -hmm. I feel like that and that'll be easy enough. I won't have to like fucking train or anything like the poker players do. And mm -hmm. you know, 15 poker player making a good amount of money and I can win maybe a couple of the, the really big ones that you got to win. And, you know, I can use that for the community or whatever and live <laughs> a chill, relaxed life. Maybe sell some books about how I'm really I'm really a good poker player. And here's how. But really, it's fucking fake. <laughs> but, but Brandon, but Brandon, what if you get to high level poker playing, and it turns out all high level poker players are mind readers, <laughs> right? <laughs> or what if you're just really, really, really bad at bluffing, and they can always tell? Ooh, that's a ooh, that's a great point. <laughs> oh no! But you'll know what everybody told them, though. Yeah, you'd have that's to win at some that. smaller stages, and then invest in just self development. I think like you would have to do real poker lessons, um, but not like I don't think it would be quite as hard. That's like being a basketball player and you're six feet tall. Like maybe you're not, I mean, seven feet tall. Maybe you're not like not the basketball, but if you're that big, you can at least be on the team, you know? Right, right. I think there might be something to that, like all the high level poker players are minors. I, I have a cousin named Adam Adams. That's his real name, Adam Adams. God. And he's okay. a professional poker player. And he can do shit like that. He can just like tell you what you're holding for like, and it's like, how do you know that? Maybe they, shit, so. maybe they are. Maybe you've stumbled on some. I think going back to what you said earlier, we've seen we've seen a lot of think pieces about coronavirus's impacts on things like sports and that. But I think we need we need to go deeper. We need to talk about its impacts on what superpowers people would pick, what vending machine preferences people have. <laughs> There's a whole market of coronavirus deep cut impacts. I thought you were going to say some shit that was serious, like you on the Edward R. Murrow voice during this time, <laughs> we've really got to think about the coronavirus in America. <laughs> Which X-Men would you be? <laughs> right, that's fine. I mean, no one wants to be rogue now, right? I mean... No. Uh -huh. Rachel, no. Rachel would still want to be rogue, no? With coronavirus? Just in We're general. like... Just in general. I mean, Rogue's cool. Rogue, rogue and you have coronavirus, yes. Yeah, you could, you could. You <laughs> like, could, which, yeah. okay, which flavor of coronavirus? Because I did, ha I have survived You're, coronavirus. That's right. Coronavirus once. It's a so clinical it's fact flavor. that Rachel like, is stronger than the virus. I did. I, I caught it really early. And also it's because I live in Georgia, the worst state. Damn. 
Yeah, uh, Brandon and I are both Atlanta people, and it's kind of a miracle neither of us are dead yet. Uh, but I caught it in, like, the beginning of March. Like, it was, like, immediate. It's like, hey, have you heard about coronavirus? And then suddenly I'm just dying. What's, <laughs> what's really funny is, <laughs> funny is you, you heard about this virus, and there was a coronavirus relief team at DSA. There was the COVID-19 response. Which I put together with, like, basically myself. Like, you were the chair of the fucking uh, coronavirus response committee, and Corona brought <laughs> <me> back. <laughs> we got to take her out before she takes us out. <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. <laughs> coronavirus <laughs> recognized your power. That's right. It did. And you made it anyway. Uh, well, you know, I do have like a running theory that the reason I have just terrible health conditions is because God had to nerf me. Yeah. Like, otherwise, I would have been too powerful. So You would have been obnoxious, too. You would have just been completely obnoxious without crippling injuries and hardship, which could be said about all of us. Really. That's probably true, yeah. That's why have we all left us? Because our lives kind of sucked, actually. Because capitalism <laughs> wasn't bit. working for us. A little bit. A little bit. Listen, yeah. are there enough podcasts? Are there too many? Do we need more? Do we need I fewer? Think the left needs more podcasts. I think we always need more podcasts. More podcasts. I feel like yeah. we've we've basically. I love the the idea of you're doing like the Bruce Lee hand motion over the camera. Like you yeah. just bring it, just bring, bring it. it on, podcast. Yeah, but um, yeah, it, I feel like it's kind of like blogging, except just anted up in terms of the production quality and the work you got to put in, and maybe in like everybody will own a youtube channel like you know how like but it there's just a, a level of baseline production you need to do a podcast right you need the mics you need the mixer maybe you need the hosting and the youtube is like another layer of you need a camera you need lighting you need this so i mean part of the reasons why some of those things get filtered out is just for financial reasons right yeah i think we need more podcasts because i want to make more episodes of lots of guys Oh God, we have a we have a spinoff show. It's called Lots of Guys Have Podcasts, and we review the first episode of whatever podcast released that day. Just that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which of That's course, y'all are welcome to join us for one. It's a lot surprisingly of fun. fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love that. We know nothing about the podcast before we click play. We oh, just know the name. Yeah, no, it's just literally like, oh, this is new. This one looks interesting. Let's try it out. You know, and it's. It's there's all y'all. There's been some bad. Uh, usually it's me and Kennedy, but we all drop by. We rotate. Yeah. Okay, okay. I developed a schema of rating it where it's like you're a TV executive and you're being presented with this pilot and you're being asked if you want to like green light a series or a new pilot. And it's and it's interesting and it leads to different conversations right. about what you would do if you were like the manager of the podcast network or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so speaking of like having just an infinite number of podcasts, um, another running joke we have is like that the sound editors are going to form a union. And I, I do actually think that there is something to like the idea of setting up some kind of like podcasters guild or something because it is like just a matter of time until like this space becomes just like horrifically unequal i mean it already is right but like worse like until it gets like colonized the way the internet has been or whatever uh, and i think you know if we start now like maybe this is the only podcasting niche like it, it has stubborn uh, audience that won't give you any money but this <laughs> is the only podcasting niche be replaced by like Kroger presents a web series. Uh, right. Kroger will not do this podcast. No. Kroger's version of Tanya will not be as funny. <laughs> Walmart store brand podcasts. <laughs> like I was looking on the podcast app one night and came across a podcast made by Target. I mean, Target has its own podcast. And can you imagine how banal that is? They just talk about things about Target. But to your point, there are already podcast networks. So I really wouldn't, Ooh. you're you're probably right. I really wouldn't be surprised if it starts to become even more sort of stratified. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like perhaps we should, while we still can, like actually start organizing this space. Not that we aren't, right? Because I know like Means TV is trying to do that. We're trying to do that. Like, I feel like the guests will be the ones that start the, the guild more than like the good guests will start a guild and like, oh, pay us now. We'll just be like crying because we've got like $30 in our podcast account and just like giving all of it to them. Yep. Yeah, actually. <laughs> What yeah? What they need? You're right. They needed a whole guild or union of people who won't go on podcasts. 
they're boycotting it, but they're like scabs too. It's kind of like the whole recent <laughs> NBA thing. Uh, but yeah, no, that a way. Union of scabs. Wow. A union of scabs. Exactly. Scabs union. <laughs> but, but but for not going on podcasts to to cripple the podcast industry, you know what I mean? To bring it to its knees. Of course, the scab union. Scab union of podcast guests. We're really no, developing anti anti guests. High level anti guests. Anti guests. <laughs> They're on strike against the broke podcast. Yeah, more people should come out on Twitter. Just I refuse to go on any podcast. Yeah, period. I agree. <laughs> I agree. It should be in people's bios. Like my my opinions are not my own. There's not sponsored by my employer. I will not go on any podcasts. Yes. Well, I just want to make it clear: not safe is a right to work podcast. So, like, <laughs> it doesn't matter if you're unionized or not here. Like, that's true. That's what we should do. Those of us in right to work states, we have different laws about podcasting. Right, right, right. I don't know what y'all exact situation is, but you need to relocate to a state with very bad work laws. You know, yeah, for your like podcast. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense. You know, Georgia has all of Georgia has all of these incentives for film production it only makes oh. sense that they'd loosen the laws around podcasting yeah all right how many years how many years i, I want to hear from terrence and tom and everybody on this how many years before a state offers a tax credit for podcasters <laughs> oh, <fuck. laughs> they really they really should i mean um we deserve more things we joke about this all the time terrence like we're probably one of the more successful small businesses out of the whole like sort of Oh, in our region? Appalachian like, revitalization movement shit. You know what I mean? I mean, I hesitate to call it a small, you know. Yeah, we live in the poorest goddamn congressional district, literally in the U.S. And so it's like when a podcast is your most successful business, like, I don't know. We won't hopefully have quite those problems. We are in Atlanta, and it's very it's low. Rapidly gentrifying. Yes. Uh, it has really? its own problems, obviously. It's not that it's not that the economy is getting better in Atlanta. It's that literally everybody from like Brooklyn and Colorado are just moving here at once. And they're just they're invading. They're yes. Invading. And it's not great. I don't love it. They're not even living here. They're just buying property. Yeah, like investment properties. It's and selling it to some other on the coast that lives far away. It's been interesting to see that in um, in Missoula, in the town I just moved to about three weeks ago, to see the effects of gentrification because it is very clear which parts of town are old and which parts of town are gentrified. Like I, I, I don't know how best to describe it, but you'll just pass a street and immediately you're presented with gentrification buildings all built in that same arts district, four-story apartment building style. And you're, ah, yes, I entered the gentrification. Yeah. What's that been like for? I mean, y'all don't have, are y'all having issues like that? <laughs> no. Not, not yet. Yeah, not really. <laughs> nobody's, nobody's, nobody's kicking down the door to come to Eastern Kentucky. You should, you should maybe be telling other folks that are on the left to come to move over there and and uh, start building that neighborhood and society yeah. uh, and kind of money that right. they get from the, these New York hipsters and put it into y'all's local community. Right. Well, and if I'm remembering correctly, y'all had some kind of bigger, like, lefty progressive wins in the most recent elections, too. Or in the primaries, I mean. Yeah. They had McGrath. That wasn't a progressive win. In the primary. Charles Booker. Charles yeah, Booker. Booker. Yeah, Booker. Yeah. I, I've heard that there was some lefting happening there. But I mean, like, I know the solidarity on the red state shit. Is it the same there as it is down here? Like where there's just sort of these like entrenched oligarchs that have literally had their money since plantations and slavery who just run everything and then like just voter suppress their way out of everything? Yeah, Eastern Kentucky is very weird because usually it was like coal barons, corrupt politicians, and like logging barons too, I guess. I don't know. People who like controlled the natural resources. Right, that makes sense. You know, and and like our town has its own little what would you call him Tom like his our own little sort of like fief lord or something like feudal lord like his name is Don Childers and he like uh he owns like an oil company around here so he and he owns like all the gas stations in the county and so he's like the richest man in the county 
Yeah, and like most, like a lot of Eastern Kentucky, East Tennessee, and like Western North Carolina, he owns a lot of gas stations. Like he's his empire is pretty sprawling, but he's he keeps it at home. Right. But yeah, but where we live, it's like there's only one for each county. Like there's not there's like not a lot of people. There's like it goes by levels, right? There's like one guy on the top, and then there's like a level below him of you know pretty wealthy other small business owners, CEOs, etc. I don't know. Eastern Kentucky is very weird. It's I feel like you're describing some shit from Mortal Kombat. You got a bunch of mini bosses. You got to yes. fight the local wars and work your way up to like the high king of just like being an, an, an awful corporate asshole in the state of Kentucky. That's absolutely correct. Yeah, that's Doesn't right. Blank have, have some, some business in, in that state too. West Virginia. Yeah. Well, he's from West Virginia, but yeah. Yeah. yeah he's also the damn worst. No, yeah. So I guess it's like, you're saying like you have your little fiefdoms. Does that basically just mean that like all of the evil powers in Kentucky are mostly concentrated in like Mitch McConnell? Or is it like, like to, what are the tiers below McConnell? Where we live, we have like our congressional, our congressman is a absolute, I mean, he, there's no other word for him than just gangster. He's this guy named Hal Rogers. He's been in there for 40 years now. He came in 1980 during the Reagan Revolution. He's the longest serving Republican in Congress. And he has a, a whole, like, Eastern Kentucky is his entire fiefdom. But he's from Somerset, Kentucky, uh, I believe. Right, Tom? Or um, Yeah, yeah. So, like, kind of where, like, Eastern Kentucky starts being, like, where the ma you leave the mountains and you get more into, like, the rolling hills and the horse shit yeah so he's got he has this just incredibly complex web of nonprofits and businesses and special interests he's brought like five federal prisons to eastern kentucky and he sits on top of it all and he's got this massive compound of business like i said businesses and nonprofits in somerset and it's called the taj mahal because his name is hal rogers um, it's a, oh, it's a very, Oh God, no. <laughs> oh, oh Christ. Why are they like this? Wow. Like, why can't, why are they not funny? Is it just cause they're not very creative? <laughs> like, I, I feel like that's a hundred percent of fast humor and like hardcore capitalist humor and like evil oligarch overlord humor basically boils down to like portmanteaus if they're having a really good day or being racist if they're not. And it's like, right. why are they like this? And it has to include their name. It always has to include their name yes. because everything is a yes. legacy. Because yeah. they can't imagine things. I right. like, literally, they can't imagine anything. Like fuck a like epistemological crisis. You don't have people who are capable of forming thoughts beyond what is concretely in front of them in the first place. There's no saving these people. <laughs> I want to talk about actually. That's interesting that you use that phrase. So I want to talk about a epistemological crisis in a minute. Who's is is he the biggest? piece of shit in the state or is there somebody with less power who's a bigger asshole are like just the power that guys hate even though he doesn't have the same amount of power or is he the worst guy like who's who's number one on the pound for pound evil power rankings how's sort of pernicious because he was the head of house appropriations so he gets to decide how the money spent you know wherever i mean mitch is probably the most powerful man in the world in a, in a lot of ways right so it's like right, right. it's like it has to start with him I was going to say Th Thomas Massey. Thomas Massey is, uh, isn't that, I think that's his name. He's a congressman here in Kentucky. Right, Tom? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kentucky, yeah. And I believe he's the, he's the one who recently, he, I think he was the first one out of the gate to defend that Kyle Rittenhouse guy. Oh, who no. shot those people. I, like, he, like, no, yeah, yeah. So oh, he's, uh, he's Christ. a real piece of shit. And we've got talking about shooting people, like made some like weird, like sitting congressman post thing about how like he was going to start shooting Antifa or whatever. Is that the same guy? <laughs> he might have. I mean, he's an insane person. This sounds, yeah. It feels right. But also, he was like a retired MIT professor. So, like, nobody believes you, man. <laughs> yeah, weirdly enough. <laughs> Best and brightest, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so most evil in Georgia is definitely Brian Kemp, I think. Yep. I think Brian Kemp's most evil in Georgia. And it's the worst kind of evil because it's, well. It's very polite evil. It's maybe, you know what I mean? I don't know whether it's the best or the worst, but it's a brutally unimaginative evil. It's not like yes. sadistic evil of right. like Jim Arpaio or somebody like that, Joe Arpaio. It's uh just he loves Trump and Trump's his guy and he tries to appeal to daddy to a degree that even Trump when they ask him about stuff Kemp's doing he's like oh boy this guy is too fucking serious. 
Yeah. <laughs> like we're just making money. Yeah, he's he's just that sort of like perfectly unchallenged rich white southern guy, you know, who's just like never had a problem ever, not even one, not even minor ones, you know. What I mean, he's that guy. Yeah. Um, just and out, out of his problems and uh, yeah, yeah. So I thought I'd move us into a super wait, fun wanna, bit here. I want to move. I want to move to the second most evil person in the state because okay. responsible for Kelly and mm. I guess David Perdue a close third, but Kelly. Mm. This has no has never won an election. Literally, yeah. just you know that's that slot appointed, and she just got appointed because she was Brian Kemp's friend, mm-hmm. friend, and so she immediately got in there and ransacked uh, the economy as soon as this COVID stuff hit. Started moving her investments around and making sure <laughs> that she was going to get rich no matter what happened. And mm-hmm. yeah, 50, 50 this chance, person terrifies me. Yeah. Like yeah, nobody yeah. else, I think. Like, and she's kind of got that like crazy eye thing going on. Mm-hmm. So like just looking a little too intensely at anything kind of actually looks like some sort of like predatory bird, that kind of energy. Yeah. If a predatory bird was like um, Xanax and white Zinfandel. Yeah. Like there's just not like a person in there. There's just this like shark eye thing going on. I know what you're talking about. A predatory bird that's laced with white Zinfandel is a great, a great. (laughs) That's. God damn perfect. God. If I can talk for a moment about the most evil, I never got accustomed enough to Texas's evil people, of which I'm sure there are a lot of, and I have not got the chance to be acquainted with Montana's evil people. But in Washington, there is somebody that I would absolutely like to talk about. And I can, of course, talk about the state house legislator that called for a white jihad. But Tim Iman, to my knowledge, is the most successful and also funniest evil in the state of Washington. Because Washington, if you didn't know, has a citizen initiative system where people can propose for things that will be voted on. And he, to date, has proposed around 30 of them, all for various ghoulish right-wing causes. A good half of them that have been struck down as unconstitutional. I think about 90% of the ones that passed the popular vote were struck down as unconstitutional. Just as a parade of ghoulish initiatives like undoing gay marriage or gutting transit funding. There's this whole row about transit funding that's still going on right now. What's transit funding? What is that? is that uh, an, an, an initiative? An initiative was passed to expand the Seattle light rail uh, and pay for it with an increase in car tabs. And it a lot of people are mad that their car tabs are going up. And it's, it's just one of the things that I thought of. But Tim Iman has been behind a lot of very shitty things. And he's also kind of funny in that a few years ago, I think it was in 2017, he was arrested for stealing a chair, a $70 chair from Office Depot. <laughs> God damn. Which is, I, I don't even That's know. A very how thing while, while he was like in office, he got accused of stealing. No, he's never served or... in pub- he's never served in public okay. office. He is just a, a, a cretin who continues to propose stupid initiatives. But yeah, I, I don't oh, even okay. know why you would steal a $70 Office Depot chair. I've been to an Office Depot before. There are more expensive chairs there. Why wouldn't you go for one of the one of the better ones? Yeah, well, I go middle brow if you're going to risk it like that anyway. Like, I ain't going to jail for no $70 chair. I'm going ah, to the $500. My ass is going ergonomic. <laughs> no, I want that $500, yeah, I want that $500 I want chair that, like, vibrates and has heated seats and, you know, does all yeah. the fit. Like, come on. You don't need a Keep chair. Keep my spine alignment right. Plus, the, yeah. some, some people who are thieving, they've got ethics, you know? A chair mm-hmm. a chair. Mm-hmm. They wanted to steal one because their butt was hurting or whatever. And they said, mm-hmm. I'm going to steal the cheapest chair here because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just going through things. Um, <laughs> I don't know what you're going through that you can't you can't find $70 from somebody to sit down or maybe just sit down outside. I don't know what's going on. It's- I think it was the protracted divorce from his wife. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that a, a staple of conservative politics. A staple of conservative politics. <laughs> the like, the, I protracted, the protracted divorce. <laughs> you gotta have one of those. Was he just acting out because he was getting divorced and he's like, I'm angry and sad and I'm gonna steal a chair. <laughs> like Oh, uh, I don't even know, but I imagine him entering the office depot and just beelining it for the first chair that he sees because he wants to steal something, just something at all. It's about to become a school shooter or something respectable. <laughs> so he just steals a chair instead. Like <laughs> <laughs> we still got to get into my state's biggest bad guy, Steve Pierce. 
Wait, 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 wait. Is Steve Pierce a New Mexico guy? Yeah. He's yeah. from fucking Hobbs, man. He's from my hometown. I know the neighborhood. Oh, yeah. He I know the neighborhood he grew yeah, up Yeah, that guy sucks. Dude, he is so, so bad. So bad. Is he a, is he a Georgia politician now? No, no, he's here in New I live in New Mexico. Yeah, New Mexico. Oh, you live in New Mexico. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and and yeah, Steve Pierce is like he's like he sold an oil tools company back in like 2003 <laughs> for like twelve million dollars or something like that. And now he just like hangs out, just blowing his money on stupid runs for offices and just being a general piece of trash. Yeah. So I grew up in southern New Mexico, southeastern New Mexico, in a little town called Hobbs. And there was a guy who I'm trying to find the name of his incumbent that Steve Pierce beat, but Essentially, the guy who Steve Pierce beat was a oil company like owner. Like he had worked his way up to the top of the of his oil. Like he started out as like a you know rig hand. And this is the his guy way. you're somewhat sympathetic to because he's kind of like the rare example of the rags to riches. He kind of is. He's he is literally the he dropped out of high school. Man, why can't I fucking remember his name? And here, if you just give me like. 10 seconds. This is what it's like to be on Trailblazers because Harry Teague is his name. All right. Steve Pierce beat a guy named Harry Teague. And uh, Harry Teague was this guy who he worked like in the rigs of an oil company, worked his way all the way to the top to owning it. And so he was a hometown hero. Everybody loved Harry Teague, you know, like again, this rags to riches guy. Well, in 2008, Harry Teague came out for cap and trade and people in Hobbs buried him for it. Like, this is a guy who the town, that everybody loves him. You know, they like I said, he's a, he's a you know, hometown hero, rags to riches guy, and he comes out in favor of Obama's carbon trading policy. And, every, and again, he just gets immediately voted out, and they replaced him with Steve fucking Pierce, man. Just an absolute piece of shit. <laughs> that's just, that's rural, that's rural politics for you, though. Don't, don't, uh, don't fuck up the bag. That's essentially it. Don't fuck up the bag. Don't go after the thing that makes everybody money. Regular Georgia politics, man. The bad guys just win all the time. And yeah. every time they win, they say, let's get worse. Let's get yep. more evil. Let's God, the most petty thing I've heard that came out of the Georgia General Assembly was um, there was a freshman Democrat in the House named Shelly Hutchinson, who's like from a district right next to mine. She's very cool. I like her a lot as a person. And she got handed from the Republican Senate a bill that the House was supposed to like, you know, finish ratifying. That was just to make like a soccer, like novelty soccer license plate. And the GOP in the Georgia House shot it down like shut it down specifically because they did not want a freshman democrat to pass a bill at all because <laughs> they wanted to be able to say when they went up against her later Christ. that she hadn't passed anything i oh, shit yeah. you not like absolutely just the most incredibly petty shit you can possibly imagine it's broken i stopped believing in electoral politics a while ago and i think everybody should just come start a fucking community garden because we're fucked so. Tom was uh, on our city council for a little bit, and he tried to persuade them to, what was it, Tom, like transition the entire city's power system to like solar or something like that, right? And they rejected you. We're, yeah, we were going to retrofit all the government buildings. Uh, it's like solar panels, which is actually like, you know, liberal technocratic bullshit. But like that was that was the wave I was on back then. And uh, this woman named Robin Watka, who had been on the council forever, shot back with a challenge. She wanted to put coal burning furnaces in all the buildings. <laughs> if I could not share cultural heritage. What? Including the schools. <laughs> Yeah. You can't you can't you can't fuck with coal or oil timber and you can't farm farming shit. You can't fuck with those raw resources, man. You cannot oh fuck my. with those. What was the rationale? But just why give the money to the to the business owners and they would set up the fucking no, furnace no because here where we live the idea of coal is so powerful like you do not go against it if you go up against it even symbolically it is heresy it is blasphemy i mean because that's the only thing that gave people here jobs for a long time and where i'm from it was oil so it's the same shit you don't go against the thing that comes out of the ground they'll fucking bury your ass for it and then they did they voted me out <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I think that's the lesson all of our listeners could take home too. Don't go against the trillbillies because oh, that's, that's, that's who providing the jobs. I'm just imagining y'all's like community, like the day laborers are just standing out there with signs that are like, we'll do farm work or podcasting, you know? <laughs> <laughs> we'll guess not part of the scab union. Oh God. <laughs> Tom, what did you say? What was the incident that really drove it drove it home and the powers that be were like, he's got to go? Uh, there was a tax that I've supported that I shouldn't have, probably. Payroll Ooh. tax. What, yeah. Was it, oh, was it for like- All the teachers came and crucified me. Yeah. <laughs> you can't did. piss off teachers. If they you piss off teachers, them. you will lose. So, yeah, that's true here so. too. What was the tax yeah. going to go towards? I mean, it's just like a general to like get money into the city because like the infrastructure was crumbling. They couldn't make their payroll. Like they were going to have to like lay off all these municipal workers and everything else. So it's like try to just give a little shot in the arm. And so they could, so they ended up cutting those folks anyway, right? Or no? No, they ended up they ended up passing and ended up keeping all those jobs. But the teachers were super pissed about it for some reason. Well, look, we yeah. could do a whole episode about teachers being reactionary when they shouldn't be. And I would love to do it. We definitely don't have time now, though. <laughs> um, there, what's the point of the whole point of having the power, I guess, is to do the right thing while you got it. So, hey, could be worse. You know, <laughs> uh, have you all heard about this? Um, the attorney general of South Carolina or South Dakota? I'm sorry. Jason Ravensborg. He um, he called. I saw night- this shit. Yeah, the other night he was driving home from a Republican Party dinner and his car hit something. He told police it was a deer, but the next morning a man was found dead near the highway. This guy hit hit and killed somebody just like drunk driving and just uh, literally thought he was just going to get away with it. He probably will. He'll probably do like three months in a real cushy um you know, but I, I, the whole thing is just grotesque. Like, if you look at his photo, Listen, that's just a route of passage for Congress, man. That's like the prerequisite. You have to like commit vehicular right. homicide while under the influence. Yeah, I, it turns out Laura Bush was the one that got in, not the husband. Uh, they let yeah, Laura she in. Did, at the meeting. She did kill someone, didn't she? Yeah. Yeah. She yes. Like twenty. Dan Kennedy. Dub the plus one, actually. And those are Damn. just the ones that got caught, too, y'all. I mean, Damn. this is just a hazing ritual. You cannot become a congressperson until you run someone over. <laughs> Even less popular government officials. There's that ambassador that Trump just, like, extradited out of the UK. And was like, you can't, you can't prosecute our ambassador. It doesn't matter if she hit and killed this teenager while drunk. Oh, yeah, I forgot right, about that. Right, yeah. It didn't, like, he bring in their family? Do something yeah. really inappropriate? I mean, like, I mean, it's, he did. What, what did he say? Got to get over it or something like that. I forget. It was something like just weird <laughs> that you'd never say in that situation. He also was like talking about her family suffering because like they're worried about her. And it's like, yeah, it's like, dude, she killed somebody like, like what? Whose family suffering is more important here? The one who's waiting to see if their their family member is gonna be like go to trial, or the one whose family member is fucking dead? Come yeah. on, right. it's like an Amber Geiger's sentencing. Just like <laughs> you killed somebody, you don't get to be the victim here. Like, oh my god, didn't he like do some like reality show shit where like he brought the family in, like? And like shine two lights on them, and this dramatic like crescendo yeah, of music yeah. played, and then they turned around. He introduced like the victim's family to like wasn't there something like that? Terrence? That's one of that's one. Yeah, that's what you're right, Tom. And that's one of the all time Trump greats. That's up there with him, like with all the football players and the fast food and everything. That's one of the all time great White House stunts. <laughs> it will go down as one of the all time greats. Uh, folks, uh, in terms of, you know, having to run over somebody as a rite of passage, is that for both parties or do the Democrats have one that's like basically as bad, but not exactly the same? The Clinton family. Yeah. What do they what do they have to do? What do you have to do if you're a Democrat going to Congress? Traffic a child, obviously. <laughs> kill, kill Vince Foster. I mean, uh, Ted Kennedy got pretty close. He didn't yeah. run someone over, but he did dump someone in, a, in the river yeah. or the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. I think child sacrifice is plausible but yeah. <laughs> we're 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 queuing on now um. <laughs> yeah sure no i like if they had an equivalent i mean i think it's about the same right because i don't think it's about which party they're in i think it's about which class they're in you know it's a class difference they're all fundamentally the same right like not literally everybody on the right has done a hit and run but they've all done something evil that they got away with because they had money 
I think the equivalent for a Democratic Party politician would be to listen to like 10 episodes of a podcast and never donate. And they say, free content, <laughs> love free labor. I'm, yeah. I'm, enjoying it. I'm loving it. And then they just go about their business. Yeah. yeah. Um, listen, let's talk about the epistemological crisis uh, because Rachel is believing in child. This is like my nerd shit. I, I am all about messaging. I am about like, how do we reach people? Like this is like, we were talking about Noam Chomsky and like, we're trying to like, how do we get him on the podcast someday? And my question is like, well, can we get him to talk about, you know, manufactured consent? And Brandon's like, nobody wants to talk about that. And I'm like, I do. Well, it's just this everybody, whenever, you got to put yourself in Noam Chomsky's shoes because that's the only thing anybody's asking him about. Right. I mean, look, I don't not want to know like what his favorite Pokemon is. I just, that's what I want to know. You're canceled. Brandon, we, anyway. need, we need to know about the Pokemon. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> Back in the before times, Brandon and I were working on a podcast that was intended to be a specifically Southern podcast called Red Clay, right? And the idea was that, like, we don't really have people who are doing messaging to the South, to, like, the South and leftists in the South. And it's this weird sort of vacuum, right? Where, like, everybody in, like, the Northeast and the Pacific Northwest is talking about how they want to, like, secede from the Union and balkanize and abandon the South altogether. And then down here, it's like, well, like, no, the will is here, but, like, how do we get people on board to organize, right? And I understand that's something y'all also enjoy discussing. So, obviously, my nerdy ass wants to talk about it here, too. <laughs> How do y'all, like, how did y'all, did you start out wanting to do that with a podcast? Or did you sort of just fall into it? We kind of fell into it, to be totally honest with you. Me and Tom had a radio show for, for years together. And so we were already, you know, talking into a mic at least once a week. And so after we stopped doing that, it just kind of seemed like the next logical progression to go to a podcast. I don't really think we started with any clear political aims, but I say this, I mean, of course, all of it is political and all of it is with, done with the intention of either politicizing people or, or whatever, but it's also entertainment. Did y'all start it out of a hangout show and we were just going to hang out? We have fun conversations. And so this is what this is going to be. Yeah, I think I think so, right, Tom? I mean, like, the first episode was about J.D. Vance. And so we were just kind of like, we want to talk about these things in a way that is accessible and funny, and maybe that'll open up people to new ideas. I mean, that's really what it was. We were trying to dispel this, you know, idea or this very specific sort of image of the place that we live by doing the show. And so, yeah, I guess that's political in a way. Sure. It's good to be from New Mexico where no one has any perception of you at all. Right. You, you, have, nothing, you have nothing to combat. you just like warm out here. That's uh, right. People right. just ask about Breaking Bad. <laughs> I mean, that is that is the perception people have, though, unfortunately. Like, I, I, I do feel like even here, like I relate to what you're saying from my own perspective, because even here, it's like the main perception from the outside when people talk about New Mexico and especially Albuquerque is like, uh, so y'all got drug problems. And I'm like, America has a drug problem. What are you talking about? Um, <laughs> you know? Right. right, right. <laughs> um, Kentucky has to deal with that same thing. Right. Yeah. I, 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 y'all have uh, problems with amphetamine abuse out there, I think, as well. I've um, heard very much once so. or twice. Very, very much so. Yeah, for sure. Which is understandable. Like, I yeah, live absolutely. in, Atlanta, I want to get high all the time. If I lived in, where is the hope? There's no hope. I mean, you know, I, 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 uh, Here's here's what here's what actually is a hope. Like you've got the ability to to kind of build community. So it's not necessarily like on a macro level, we're not always saving the world. We're we're kind of planting seeds. And what's gonna really be the big political push will just be people's material circumstances. But in the meanwhile, I think we're kind of maybe making it easier for other people. When when their when their circumstances are ready to hear the kind of stuff we talk about, we we make those those parts fun to engage with and kind of coherent and also ideally it, it's stuff that we're, we're doing things that anybody can do like in terms of connecting with others and kind of building a profile and building your neighborhood uh and kind of doing community activism and shit it's stuff anybody can do so any of this can kind of jump on yeah and it's at least cathartic right if nothing else it's cathartic yeah absolutely yeah, for sure well, like when I first got radicalized, it was like definitely by Chapo Trap House. And it was definitely because that shit was cathartic. And now it's like, you know, I've gotten to the point where I'm like way too busy organizing to even listen to Chapo Trap House. But like, I didn't forget. Well, yeah, I mean, like, I guess 
as materialists, you assume that, you know, developments occur through, you know, class struggle. And that doesn't leave a whole lot of area in that sort of schematic for ideas. You know what I mean? Like, I guess we assume that history progresses because of class struggle rather than, yeah, than ideas. And so I go back and forth in my mind. I'm like, is that true, though? I mean, I, maybe it, there's an interplay between the two. And maybe that's where things like this come in. I, I mean, I don't know. I Like I said, I go back and forth in my mind. Because there's this thing, because people always want to make it. The sh this is the kind of like double-edged sword of having a an entertainment product that is inherently political. Because people want it to be political. But at the same time, you're like, well, it's entertainment. Like, please don't say please don't take anything I say that seriously because I'm just working this out like anybody else. Like it's not set in stone or definitive. It's just meant to be kind of entertainment, but it's hard to walk that line sometimes. Yeah. We're propagandists really. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, but we are kind of competing with like, if you really want to become, real actors you can just leave your house and just do it and if you really want to un have a deep uh, uh, understanding of the issues that confront our world right now you can just like read books or <laughs> so trying to get something out of this that's at least fun and a distraction from the shit hell that you're going through right now and maybe reading a copy of some philosopher from 1910 doesn't do yeah well what i found is that so me and tom actually Tom, Tanya, and I, all three of us were involved in this organizing project before, way before we ever got started with the Trillbillies to stop a federal prison that was being the guy I mentioned earlier, Hal Rogers. And now I've got a lot of critiques of those things we did. You know, I don't even... I, I would not do any of them again, really. There's maybe a few of them, but most of those things, I look back and I'm like, well, we were we were green. We didn't really know what we were doing. But the point is, is that you come into contact with others. Is what you're saying, Brandon. Like you, you through working things out with other people, that's how you move forward. And so um, that's, I guess, that's why it's so important to to do that. Yeah. I mean, even if it's wrong, or if it's, you know, if you're going to critique it later, it's still important. Brandon makes a lot of fun of me because we've got this like community gardening initiative thing that we're working on in my house. And he's always like, community gardens are petit bourgeois and they don't actually help anybody. I'm like, that's not the point. The point is not to make food. The point is to make community. It's about the community part of the garden. It's about getting people invested in their yeah. immediate surroundings and their neighbors. As, and as I okay, I'm gonna stop you both. Brandon and Rachel are no longer allowed to talk about the community gardening argument. I'm outside of it, so I can talk about it. And I just want to say, like the accusations between these two over the last few months. They keep getting more extreme every episode. Now Brandon is calling it petite bourgeois. And then like, but Brandon, you'll be on a stream five days from now and you'll be like, Rachel says that the only thing we need to do is grow a tomato and everything's When will this going. cold war stop escalating, please? <laughs> She described herself last week as an anarcho tomatoist, and I just think that's too far. Uh, Incredible. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be. I want to be clear. I was not against community guards. I'm against communities and people coming together. I hate. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Me too. Mm -hmm. Just gotta have a philosopher king specifically that is also Brandon. Yes. I'm here yeah. for that. Though we already discussed this before the show. Like. You are the figurehead. I will do 20% as much work as you and have like way more power than is proportional to that. It's going to be great. Like, I love it. God King Brandon, I'm here for it. We got you. This, this God King shit's real exhausting. <laughs> yeah, that's why I don't want it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, real organizing. I don't know. I we should add that we have a we have a new slogan, which is podcasting better than a job or depression. It should be podcasting better than a job or depression or actual organizing. Like, yeah, listen, like we talked, right, and they were like, oh, we don't bother <laughs> both because like it's hard to do one. It's exhausting. So it's definitely hard to find the balance between when I'm putting the because like doing this, like your your work doesn't necessarily end when you put down the microphone. You've got to promote it or tell people about it until you become the Trillbillies and just people are like, have you heard the new Trillbillies? And they're like, yeah. Um, you just need a cool time. shirt, man, and you're there. That's it. <laughs> That's is, that, okay. is that the answer? Is that the and answer? then don't send it to people and create a, like a legend around it. And that's, <laughs> that's the secret.
Oh, okay. Gotta have some like <laughs> romantic mystery around it. I get it. Right. Gotta yeah. sell romanticism to people. It's like a band. Every good band has like some shirt that they released when they were first touring or whatever. And there was like 45 of them ever made for whatever stupid reason. Um, and like, you know, that's the myth a lot. Yeah, that's what we need. But I feel like that's like after the fact, right? Like you have to have the one that gets big. And then also before that, there's like the secret one, like the like early bird drop or whatever, you know, that's the right. one that you're talking about now. But there's also going to be the like big one, you know, that everybody's got. I've got an idea. I got an idea for y'all. All right. Because I just realized I, I just I've got my Claremont Lounge koozie here. Y'all just need to like do the knockoff of the Claremont stuff, but with not safe walks on there. <laughs> <laughs> genius genius idea don draper over here everybody uh, i'm telling Love this it. shit we're this is i mean everybody out there listening to this you're you're you know you just heard a million dollar idea that's right that's, <laughs> you're listening to history i love that yes. <laughs> I buy uh, that shit. thank you so much terrence and tom for coming to make some history with us yeah, small, it, small it was piece. incredible. Thank you. A blast. I've recorded yeah. something. I've had a now great y'all time. Roll. Now y'all roll. Let's, uh, y'all should come on our show sometime. Oh, we'll we'll that'd be that. amazing. That'd be amazing. I mean, I've been so excited to have y'all come. I know I've been harassing y'all for like months. <laughs> yeah, <it's so laughs> like, do you remember me? I'm like, oh God, I really hope I'm not alienating Trump. So no, it's great. Y'all have been so fun. You're extremely funny, but that's not like news. <laughs> it's been a blast. Thank you so oh, much. Yeah, thanks yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, we always love to talk about uh, politics, especially in the South. They're very specifically weird. And so we're always game to trade bad politician stories <laughs> next time we'll bring we'll bring yeah circa, yeah we'll bring circa to do her worst virginia politician. oh, oh man circa and this would be fantastic anyway on that cheery note uh well, uh, <laughs> well um it's been uh, wonderful it, it's been wonderful yeah. do y'all want to plug any projects that you're working on or anything you got coming up everybody knows um, the drill billies but I, I don't know if you yeah, have any like i don't know if you if you like we got it you have an exciting new thing for like, having pepsi on pepsi do you have anything to promote <laughs> you want to promote our patreon for us yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go to patreon.com slash what is it? What's y'all's? Not Patreon. safe. <laughs> Not, Not safe. safe. Yeah. Not safe. Yeah. We did it. Go load up. I support, that. I support uh, that message. I, I, on a Trillbillies note, I've been doing this project called Year Zero, um, where I've just talked to people smarter than me. And um, so I just put one out yesterday. And you should check it out. It's about oil. I don't know. I, on to, yeah. to continue what we were just talking about. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. Everyone should that check that out. Great. And thank you yeah, so much for wonderful. listening to this episode. As always, we are not safe for wonks. Uh, as mentioned, patreon.com slash not safe if you want to help produce this independent content. I'm Kennedy. Brandon Sierra. Yeah. We're all here. <laughs> we got the oh, three, all four of us. <laughs> and our guests have been the Trillbillies, Terrence and Tom. Thank you once again so much. Thanks for having us. Thank, thank you, having you so much. <laughs> Brandon, do it. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>